All right, the Leafs are in Calgary tonight looking to redeem themselves. It did not start well in the province of Alberta, but we'll see how it plays out tonight. And the Leafs will be on TSN 4. We just have Mike Johnson on. Johnny and Gord Miller will be out there. Oh, you'll be on the panel tonight, right? J.D. will be on the panel tonight. And we have Bruce Boudreaux joining us in studio. Bruce, you're going to be a part of the panel. Yeah, well, let's see how that goes. Yeah, (laughs) let's see if we can get you through this first. This is kind of a precursor. So welcome aboard. You're going to be here today. You're going to be doing stuff tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't uh, had a chance to talk hockey in a while, so this will be great. Yeah, it's good. Do they have you doing a lot of different stuff? Are you going to be creative? What's the plan with you, Bruce? You know what? They... I've been here for a while today, and they've got some skits going on. Um, uh, I don't know how they were gonna, they're going to be taken, but, I mean, okay. uh, it was all for fun. Good. There might be a little bit of uh, downtime tomorrow. It's possible. What do you make of this, though, as, as a, obviously a guy who's played in the league, coached in the league, but just been a fan of hockey forever the last two weeks? Do you remember anything like this, all the deals? I don't think there's ever been anything like it. And uh, I think uh, uh, once the, the snowball started getting bigger, Teams were saying, uh-oh, we're going to get left out. And so they started making the deals. Whereas I remember, like, even in Washington, where uh, the, the it was going down to 301, 259, you know, like, uh, who could get the facts in and make sure the facts was in on time? Right. Because they wanted that last say. And now I think people are saying, wow, we got to get it in now or we're going to, you know, uh, uh, lose what, you know, we got. Like, I mean, and it's even... Um, like some teams haven't got as much as I think they, the, us as fans, would have thought they would have got for certain individuals, and I just think they they kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and mm-hmm. it didn't happen. Brucey, from what you've seen this year behind the bench, did one team get your attention where you thought this is real deal stuff here, and these guys are going to have a real good shot? Well, I mean, yeah, I think the Bruins. I mean, it's. I, I think it's for real. It's they're for real. They don't have a weakness on their team, and then they got two great goalies that could be number one. But I've always thought, and I still do, uh, I think that Colorado is as good as anybody. I mean, I was lucky enough or unlucky enough to play them three times this year, and they were never healthy. But when they wanted to go, they and the third game we won the first two. In the third game, they said, "You're not winning anymore," and then that was it. We played hard and played well, but. There was no chance they were going to let us win. Well, yeah, they're, they're in the West, team, too, they're, they're right? They're a team that's just been under the radar, and now they're starting to gather steam. They're going to cause a lot of problems. Well, it's interesting that the two teams that were in the Cup Final last year, I find, are not getting a lot of attention. Where Tampa, it's like an impossibility they could go to a four-straight Cup Final, but why not? They're still built like that. And Colorado, because of the injuries, because of the slow start... But out west, I mean, it's wide open, isn't it, Bruce? Like, I, if, if Colorado I, wants to play, they should cruise. Yeah, I think uh, possibly yeah. anyway. I think they're the best team, right? You know, but I mean, uh, uh, I think Edmonton is going to be a real force if they get goaltending in the playoffs. Uh, you know, just watching what Connor's been doing lately, and and that team as a whole, just the scoring ability, and I think Ekholm's a heck of a defenseman. Yes, uh, and, and I think okay. They can make it through the Pacific Division, and then you're in the Final Four. So, what does the coach say? I've always wondered this. Like, you look at McDavid, you know you're facing him. You can throw out the cliches and strategize, saying stay on top of the puck. But are you just like crossing your fingers with that cat, or what? Everybody is. I mean, I am anyway. Like, I mean, we, we'll. <laughs> We'd show video about Connor on how to stay above him. And that guy needs to see video on that guy. They haven't been paying attention. No, I know, but we all know how fast and everything he is. 
so you can't get the the pass by you. In other words, you've got to be above him at all times, like having three guys back at least, and then try to chase him down. But I've uh, been on two teams where the defenseman, I've heard him say, uh-oh, <laughs> he's coming down because he's scary, scary fast. Are you trying, like, everyone has their matchup guy, their centerman, their D-pair, but... Like, you can't just rely on one guy to do that. Are you telling guys, like, this is going to be by committee when you get stuck on the ice with this guy, like a lot of extra attention? How do you kind of game plan that as far as who you're well, deploying? Like, I mean, it depends on the team you've got, I think. But, I mean, uh, always tried um, the last couple years uh, is to have two guys on the one guy. You know, Connor, uh, you take a guy like Connor, he's playing 27 minutes. We don't have, we never had a guy that could play 25 and above minutes. So you have to do it by committee, and you you know you're hoping that okay uh, in in our team in Vancouver that okay J T Miller could go out against him or uh, uh, Pedersen, but I mean it's still tough because they use now uh, eleven forwards and and seven D in in Edmonton, and so he's playing with every line, you know, and I mean it's just tough to contain. Brucey, we were talking about Matthews, and he's a little. He's not playing at his best right now, and he needs to get it going. In your time in Washington, with some years with expectations with Ovi, how was the approach heading into the playoffs to to kind of ensure in your mind and the team's mind and in Ovi's mind that he was at his best come playoff time? Well, I mean, luckily for me, I think, I mean, in all the years that I was there, he was always at his best. Like, I mean, uh, the first year, uh, I think he got... 50-some goals. The second year, he got 65. The third year, he was 60 or something. So, I mean, I never worried about him because I knew that he was going to be ready when, when the time was to come. But there's sometimes if you get, and we were a young team, and, and sometimes, like when we got older in Minnesota, you say, do we rest? Uh, what rest a guy? I remember Chuck coming over and saying, I want you to rest Pominville, you know, because we're coming into March now. But the last thing, Older players want is rest. Or is rest, and I mean, I you do it and you grit your teeth a little bit, but I mean, they want to play all the time, and and I think that becomes a problem uh, sometimes, not all the time. I mean, you can hit a home run, but I mean, it, when you get a lot of guys in the trade at, at trade deadline day, because I mean, again, going back to our Washington days, we made a trade. We made five trades one year when we had 121 points. We thought, okay, depth, depth, depth. And but got guys that are rhythm. We got guys that are rhythm, but all good players. And guys want to play. Scott Walker wanted to play. He didn't want to sit out. Uh, you know, Scott. Like I mean, and uh, uh, David Seckel didn't want to sit out. Matt Bradley didn't want to sit out. And we're trying to do it by committee. But I mean, it becomes tougher on them. In Minnesota, when we made the trades, Eric Holla went down to fourth line. He didn't want to be a fourth line guy. So I mean, it's 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 great that the GMs do this and. Try to make your team better, and, and I love it, but it's a hit and miss. Sometimes it doesn't work the way you go according to plan. Right, with Bruce Boudreau, and, and really it's the more middle of the pack, guys, right? Like you're, yeah. Like with the Leafs, Matthews isn't worried that Sam Lafferty's taking his ice. I but, hope not. <laughs> well, he better not, right, or else you really got an issue. But it's probably more like Tavares on the wing. What's he thinking right now with O'Reilly playing up the middle of the ice and how's that going to factor in? Yeah. Like, is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, or? and like Luke Shen. Right. You know, I mean, I think Luke Shen's a great player, great guy, but now they've got eight defensemen. How is he, you know, when you're used to playing 18 to 20 minutes a night and 
Um, I mean, Luke, Luke can do it because he did it in Tampa when they went with 7D all the time. But he but, was kind of in and out of the rock. Like, he was yeah. not in, and then he was in, and then he was quite happy with that role, and it ultimately worked for them. And, and, and he was happy with it because he'd come from Arizona and Anaheim where they were basically terrible. You know, terrible. And, and so going to that team, but, but when he came to Vancouver last year and this year, he played a big role. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you get those big role guys. If they have to play a smaller role, it's a little, a little more difficult. Is there, a, is there a player on Toronto on the back end that you kind of look at and say, I would love Luke Shen to be playing with that guy? Um, I, you know what I mean? I, I think, like, I mean, he's, he's no, not really. No. He's the bottom third guy. And, like, he played with Quinn Hughes an awful lot, and he really made, made it easier for Quinn. But I was thinking, okay, uh, if he does it with Riley, then he's playing too many, too many minutes. Right, I right. Think. So, I mean, I don't know, but he's a solid player. I mean, I think once he's in the room, I don't know what the Toronto room is like, but, I mean, uh, he'll really help the room, and, it, and he'll do a good job for them. Bruce Boudreaux is with us in studio. Bruce will be a part of the uh, Leafs on TSN panel tonight and a part of Trade Center tomorrow on TSN. Um, so you coached in Washington, Anaheim, Minnesota, Vancouver. You've been a lifelong Leaf fan. Every time we have you on, even when you were coaching, we'd ask you, what do you make of the Leafs? How, that transitioning back into kind of being a fan and an analyst, how do you marry those two worlds? Like former teams that you have a connection to and then the Leafs who you clearly have a connection to. Well, I mean, you know, once. Once I'm not working for somebody, <laughs> you're watching Leafs. Fan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I'm a Canuck, oh yeah, go Canucks. I'm right. not, not with the Canucks now, so you know. I mean, Leafs play them Saturday. I guess I know who I'm cheering for. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Bruce. We figured yeah. that. Bruce. There it is, right back in it. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I think we're all human like that. Yeah. Like I mean, uh, um, the teams that let you go, you really don't like to see them have success. Sure. I mean. For the short period of time, anyway, um, you like the players to have success because the players you get fond of and you get close to, it's just the, the team you don't want to have success. But uh, being from Toronto, you know, I'm home every summer for long periods of time and, and always been a Leaf fan. You know, Marley's growing up, and mm-hmm. uh, so it's hard not, to, hard not to like the Leafs when you're coaching against them. All you want to do, you want to beat them so bad. Like, it was the... The biggest games of the year when I was coaching against the Leafs, you want to beat them so bad. But, right. Um, you know, because you got all your friends texting you. He couldn't believe it when I used to play in Hartford and Carolina. My season would be over, and I would come home and cheer for the Leafs. And he, he couldn't he couldn't understand it. I was just <laughs> yeah. like, this is the way it is. Well, because we, we interviewed Joey Votto. Remember that awkward interview with Joey oh. Votto where Votto's season was done, and he grew up like five minutes from the Dome, dome a big Jays fan. And I asked him, like, are you going to come home and track the Jays during the playoffs? And he was like disgusted. He was offended. He was offended by the idea that he would track the Blue yeah, Jays. I remember he gave the most absurd laugh yes. we've ever heard. Like a maniacal, like Bond villain laugh. Like that's a stupid <laughs> question. But I'm with you guys. I think that's. I guess that's human nature. And I mean, have you like when it comes to Scotiabank versus the Gardens? You grew up going to the Gardens, playing with the Marlies at the Gardens and the Leafs with the Gardens. Like, how would you compare the two buildings based on your history and how you feel about it? Well, I mean, uh, Maple Leaf Gardens is always will always be special. Mm-hmm. Two Memorial Cups there. Um, I worked at the gardens. I think I was the only two-year sweeper. <laughs> you worked at the gardens? Yeah. What like, did you do there? I was sweeping. Like, I mean, if the Marleys were done school, don't forget, that was back to when 21 was the age, so I was right. done high school. 
And, I mean, we had nothing to do. So there was always three or four guys that would be sweepers and making six bucks an hour or something at the gardens. And our job was to try not to work and not get caught, but get paid. Right. And that was, hide, hide somewhere. Hide somewhere, and that, that was it. But, I mean, so Maple Leaf Gardens will always have uh, uh, a really near and dear spot in my heart. By far my favorite barn, like, yeah. of all time. Right. I, I, I was somewhat shocked that they didn't try to recreate the same type of structure. I don't know. It was just such a different place. And everything was so clear, and you were right on top of it. It was just an unreal building. Yeah, it was smaller, too, right? And, like, ultimately. Yeah, and you remember. Like, I mean, I'm sure Jeff remembers games that you went to uh, as a young kid, as a spectator, to a Leaf game. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I remember um, going in. I got tickets in 72 to for the uh, Canada-Russia series. I think it was game three. And we were in the end blues, and just watching Peter Mahovlich through those guys to score the goal that the that the Canada won, and you see that, and then um, just so many games that you you were there and you were so happy. Your dad's holding on to you, and you just memories that you just amazing. Can't, you, you can't shed. Yeah, amazing. Bruce Boudreau in here. So, what was your relationship with Ballard then? Like you would you were employed by him. He was paying you six bucks an hour, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, there really was none. But I mean, a funny story was. Uh, um, when I was with the Leafs, and every time we'd get in the plane and Mr. Ballard and Mr. Clancy were there, he always would call me Pat Boutet. So I kept thinking, if he could think I'm Pat Boutet, maybe I won't get sent down next week. <laughs> That's such a, like, he, he tweener guy he, thing to yeah, think. Just eh? didn't even didn't yeah. know it. Yeah, hey, Pat, how you doing? Hey, Booter, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, you're a big wrestling guy. Jack Tunney, you ever come in contact with him I, at the Gardens? Uh, I or? met him once at the Gardens, yep. yeah. And, you know, Freddie Atkins, former big-time big wrestler, yeah. used to be the trainer of the Leafs in the early 70s when we'd have to... You know, do twenty push-ups and uh, <laughs> run around the end blues twice. Well, wasn't and that the was wrestling it. at the gardens a lot? Massive yeah. there, oh. yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like the sweet daddy Seekies and uh, Bruno Sammartino guys. <laughs> <laughs> These are all old favorites. Yeah. He went through them all yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you still keeping in touch with uh, Kevin Owens? Trying to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we text. I just got a text. Ten minutes ago, uh, from a guy who said, "Hey, he's in Washington next week. Come on down. We'll talk to Kevin." Nice. And, but I mean, I, I've only met him once, but I've talked to him, you know, uh, quite a few times. And and uh, the best one was in. We were in Whistler in camp, and there was a wrestling event in Vancouver. So I got him a Canuck jersey. And he went in there and he said, my friend is Bruce Boudreau. Yes. I was so pumped up on video with That's that. Yeah. awesome. Well, you can answer the question we were throwing around yesterday. 1995, who was more well-known around the world, Greg Norman the golfer or Hulk Hogan? Who do you think would have had more international recognition? I would venture to guess that Hulk Hogan Thank would, you. would be known more. The Hulkster. If people that don't follow wrestling have no idea how universal it is right i mean every monday they're number one on twitter you know they they they're everywhere yeah. it's it whether it's whether you like it or not it's 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 out there yeah, and it's all like over golf the world you like fake fighting <laughs> they call it the but it's <laughs> entertainment <laughs> you're right you're right they That's call right. it the wwe universe because it's like that universe everywhere they go everywhere and they're sold out everywhere and they're icons everywhere they go it's 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 really incredible yeah uh a and e's having like a massive 
Like their detail. Have you been watching that? Yeah, yeah rivalries. My and wife stuff. hates me for it because I'll watch it all Sunday. <laughs> I'll sit there, the rivalries and, and the history of those guys, how tough their lives were. Yeah, right. I mean, but, yeah. you know. I it, saw one it, with Jake the Snake recently, man. I was tough to get through. He has been through the ringer, Jake the Snake. Yeah. I mean, I imagine a lot of those guys have. Yeah. If, if you had like one finishing move, what would, <laughs> what would your move be? I'd have a gun and shoot the guy. That's the only way to stay down. <laughs> yeah, I picture you. I don't know what kind of move. I'm Bruce thinking like a, a sharpshooter. Yeah, give me a superfly move. If me and Jeff jumped from the top turnbuckle, <laughs> they'd have to stay down. <laughs> that would be a finishing move. Yeah. That's for sure. The paramedics, the would be tag called. team champions of the world. Yeah, that could work for yeah. sure. Well, Bruce. This is what we're looking for, man. We just need <laughs> wrestling, Chad. Uh, yeah, Maybe we get a trade fun. tomorrow. I don't know. Who knows? Well, there will be. I think there's one of the teams that are going to get, like, the sixth rounder in 2029. Yes. You know, for somebody that's in the minors uh, right. right now. A conditional yeah. pick. Yeah. A conditional pick. Jeff will yeah. break that trade down for yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, I well, can't wait. That's what we need you for, for sure. <laughs> uh, he is Bruce Boudreaux again. He'll be a part of the panel tonight. The Leafs are in Calgary playing the Flames on TSN 4, and he's going to be here tomorrow for Trade Center. We're looking forward to it. Bruce, great seeing you, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for popping up. Always fun. Always fun. There's Bruce Boudreaux. Oh, you're off to do some panel work as well. You'll be back a little bit later on. Frankie, you and I, we keep kicking. Least Flames tonight. The uh, Raptors are in action tonight. We'll keep teeing that up. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050 and on the TSN app.